We now begin the 18th parak of Shabbos, and the main thrust of this parak is dealing with the rabbinic restriction on tircha, on exerting oneself excessively on Shabbos. So the basic gist of the parak is going to be that although doing things that require a lot of sweating, like carrying your furniture or clearing out a storeroom, etc., are things that are not restricted by virtue of the 39 malachas, they are, however, rabbinically restricted because they violate the spirit of Shabbos, which should be a day of manucha, of rest. So our mission is going to talk about, and the parak will talk about, how exerting oneself in certain ways is forbidden and restricted. Um, however, we'll have leniencies that will apply if one is doing it for the sake of a mitzvah or for a person who's unwell, who had a woman who had a child, or to feed animals, etc. Okay, so the mission begins here in Yirches Mishnah Aleph. The first part of the Mishnah is talking about clearing out a storeroom that has grain or, or straw inside of it to make room for people to sleep, or him, guests, or for them to uh, be able to sit and learn. So that it means that we're talking about it for a mitzvah. The idea being here that clearing out a storeroom is a lot of work. It would be tircha and forbidden, uh, moving all that grain, etc. However, we're going to be lenient for the sake of doing a mitzvah. The Mishnah says, Mefanen afilu arba v'chamesh Kupos shall tevin. One is permitted to clear out even four or five um, large baskets of tevin is straw. Vishal tvua, tvu is grain. Bibneha orchem, for the sake of making room for guests to sleep and live there. Ubibne bitzel beis medrash, or for the reason that there might not be space for the people who want to learn the beis medrash where they are, so they're going to learn in in this otzer, in the storage room. So you're clearing out the shed to make room for them to learn. So the point of the Mishnah is, in the broadest brushstrokes, even though normally one couldn't clear out this storeroom, because it's tircha, one could for the sake of a mitzvah. Now as far as the four or five goes, the Barthanur learns, um, like Shmuel and the Gemara, that it's lavdafka, meaning you could clear out the storeroom as need be. Um, we'll see in a moment, we're limited to not clearing out the entire storeroom, but you could, four or five is not a magic number, it could be six or seven also. Um, the point is just that's just a generic number. Rav Chista will disagree in the Gemara, and the Halach actually follows Rav Chista, notwithstanding the Bartonur going to the Rambam. And Rav Chista holds that four or five is a specific number, meaning that one is allowed to clear out four or five of these large kupos, these large baskets of grain or wheat, but not grain or straw, I should say. But not more than more than that. As far as the kupa itself, so these are standard size large containers that contain three saw. A saw is roughly speaking twelve liters, so you're talking something like around ten gallons in each kupa. So these are large, thirty-six. Imagine you know, three six packs of two-liter bottles, something like that kind of volume. Okay, so that you could do for the sake of a mitzvah, of a lo esaotzar, but you may not clear out the entire storeroom. The concern here is a separate issue, rabbinically, which is that if you clear out the whole storeroom, so there's nothing left in terms of no more grain or straw there, so then one might come to smooth out the floor of the storeroom, forgetting that's forbidden on Shabbos. That would be the malach of bona, of construction, which is an Isra Doraisa. And that being the case, they said one could clear out space for the guests or space for the Talmidim, but not clear out the entire storage room. Now, the Mishnah will list that there are six things that one could move away and six things that one could not move away in terms of clearing out the storage room. The gist of it, the point of this Mishnah is food that is edible, that can be eaten by people or by animals, is 
food, and that being the case, it's not muktzah, and therefore one could move it. But things that are inedible, that can't be eaten neither by humans or animals in their current state, so those foods are muktzah, and being at their muktzah, one may not move them on Shabbos. In other words, just to reframe the issue here, there are two separate, essentially unrelated rabbinic enactments. One is the enactment that one shouldn't do tircha, yaseira, excessive exertion on Shabbos, um, and that's a rabbinic enactment, sort of, let's say, to protect the spirit of Shabbos, if you will. There's also a separate, unrelated rabbinic enactment that one cannot move things that are called muktza, we discussed in the past, on Shabbos. The idea, again, being, let's say, to simple, keep it simple, to protect the sanctity of Shabbos. The point of this Mishnah here is, while the rabbis are relaxed their restriction regarding tircha and say, for the sake of a mitzvah, you could exert yourself and do what would otherwise be considered to be tircha yasera, excessive labor, one may not move muktza under any circumstances, even for the sake of doing a mitzvah. Okay? So muktza is more strict than the restrictions of tircha. So the Mishnah says now there are six things that one could move, and they are. I'll read them all, then I'll explain them each one on their own. Mefanin, you could move truma tahora, tahor truma, that's the Kohen's portion, udamai, umaisa rishon, shnitla trumaso, maisa rishon that had its um, truma removed, umaisa sheni, so also Meister Shani, the second tithe, the Hektish, and also Hektish, consecrated items, Sheniftu, that were redeemed. And finally, Vahaturmus Hayavash, dried out um, lupine beans. But Neshu Machalanium, because that's food for poor people or other gears. Also, it's food for Izim, for goats. So these six things, there are going to be reasons why you might have thought they're restricted and one could not move them on Shabbos. But the Mishnah is saying, no, they're not considered mukts, and therefore you could move them out of the storehouse. So what are these things? The first is truma tahora. That's the portion that you separate first to give to a Kohen. Now, of course, truma tahora is edible by a Kohen, and therefore it's not a muktzah. The point of the mission is, even if you're not a Kohen, but since other Kohanim could eat it, you could move this truma now. It has to be tahor, however. It has to be that it's truma tahora, that it hasn't been defiled, because if it's tamea, then it would not allowed to be eaten by the Kohen. It must be burned, and that being the case, it would be muktzah. It's not food. Second of all, damai. So damai is... If you recall from Masechah's Demai, was food purchased from an Amar, someone who can't be relied upon necessarily to take the proper um, tithes of Trumas and Maestras. Um, in the time of Bayasheni, there was an uh, assessment done, a sociological study commission, that we should check and see um, how, whether or not the Amaha Arts, the simple people, do take their tithes properly. The data came back that most of them do indeed tithe properly. However, a significant minority um, don't take out trumas meiser. That's the meaning they don't take out the meiser for the levy and they thought since they don't take meiser for levy, they don't need to take out the trumas meiser, the portion of the levy's meiser that goes to a kohen. And that is, however, sadly mistaken. The truth is that trumas meiser carries with it the penalty of misa shemaim, death at the hands of heaven and therefore it's very, quote-unquote, not kosher. Um, but many amihaaretz, many simple people left it in. And therefore, there was a dinter abanan that when it comes to demai, one has to first um, get that trumas meiser out, as well as redeem meiser sheni as appropriate, uh, before it's consumed. So the point is that one may not do that tithing on Shabbos. You cannot take out the trumas meiser of demai on Shabbos. That's, it looks like you're fixing something, it's, it's, and therefore it's rabbinically forbidden. And that being the case, this demai is not edible as is. And therefore, one would reasonably think that it could be considered to be muktuk, it's not food now for people. However... When the rabbi said one may not eat demai until he first takes out the trumas meiser, 
and redeems the Meister Shani. So the rabbis were lenient for aniyam, for poor people. The rationale is since the majority of Amheya Arats do tithe properly, so Demai really, Midoraisa, is permitted to be eaten because you can assume that it came from the majority of Amheya Arats that do tithe properly. There's a rabbinic overlay that says you shouldn't rely on that leniency of relying on the majority, but they said that's true for regular people, but not for poor people. And therefore, since this could be food for poor people, Demai is edible by somebody, and that somebody could even be you, because in truth, a person could at any time decide that he renounces his ownership on all of his assets, his mafkir nechasav, and if he does that, so he becomes a halachic poor person, an ani, and at that point, his demai would be edible for him. Therefore, we're saying demai really is edible, potentially, and therefore it's not mukta. And you can move it. The third is maiser rishon, shenitla trumaso. Maiser rishon, that's the levy's portion that had its truma removed from it. Now again, you might think, well, of course, that should be fine to be moved because it's food that's been tithed and ready for the levy to eat. The point is, uh, this is uh, I don't exists on many lists like this, that the, this is the story, the backstory of this particular miser is that the levy went to the farmer and there at the threshing floor while the grain was being processed, but not when it had finished being processed, the levy said, let me take my miser now. So since it hadn't had gemar malacha, the grain hadn't been finished being processed, there was no, you know, meruach akri, the smoothing of the pile at the end, so the levy's portion is, if it, the levy takes it, is actually exempt from truma gadola, meaning there is no requirement yet to take the portion for the kohen, the truma gadola, from this grain. And if the levy gets it now, so this the kohen will essentially get shortchanged. The kohen will never get his truma gadola. That's okay, then that's allowed. However, the levy still must remove the truma's meister, the 10% of what he received, um, as and give that to a Kohen. So the point of the mission is, as long as that Trumas Meiser, the 10% of the 10% was removed by the Levi, so what remains is edible by the Levi, even though the Truma Gadol was never taken from it, since that wasn't a strict requirement that it had to happen, the food now is permitted as is, since the Levi came and got it before Meruch HaKri, and that being the case, it's food, and therefore one can move it, it's not Mokta. The next items four and five in the list are Meiser Shani, which is that second tithe in years one, two, four, and five, of the seven-year Shemitah cycle, and Meister Shani food has to be taken um, and eaten in Yerushalayim, therefore it's not edible here. Um, and as for Hektish, that means food that the owner, he had this grain, but he he gave the grain, he was Maktashit, he consecrated it as a gift to the base of Mikdash, so that of course now is all his food and he can't eat it. So Meister Shani outside of Yerushalayim and Hektish that had been something that's given to the base of Mikdash is inedible now, and therefore since it's not food, it should be Muktza. Shenifdu, that was redeemed. Well, Pidion, redemption, means that you've essentially taken the Kedusha, the Meister Shani, or the Hektish, and transferred it to a coin. And if you do that, so now the food stuff becomes deconsecrated and once again edible. That being the case, since we're saying this was Niftu, it was redeemed, you'd ask, why in the world would you not be able to move your Meister Shani that was redeemed or your Hektish that was redeemed? And the answer is that when one redeems Meister Shani or Hektish, the requirement is that it, if it's his own Meister Shani anyways, he has to not just... Um, come up with the value of the foodstuffs, but he actually has to be Mosef HaChomish. He adds, um, for every four shekels worth of food that he was Makdish, he has to add a fifth, called the Chomish, um, when he redeems it. So that means if a person was Makdish $4 worth of wheat, he would have to come up with $5 to redeem the wheat onto, or five shekels, whatever the story is. So 
That's the halacha. However, that extra chomesh, that extra fifth part that has to be added in the redemption, is not ma'akev. It's not essential, meaning if one only he consecrated four shekels worth of wheat, and then he got four shekels and he deconsecrated onto the four shekels, or he took his Meister Shana that was worth four shekels and he put the Kedush onto four shekels worth of coin, even though he didn't do the right thing, he was supposed to add the fifth, but he still has been effective in redeeming the sanctity. In other words, that fifth is not ma'akib, it's not necessary um, for the transfer, the deconsecration to work, so therefore this food is deconsecrated. So since you didn't do it right, you might have thought you didn't put the chomesh extra in, therefore you, it would be mukta. The answer is no. Once you've deconsecrated, even if you haven't added the chomesh, it's now food again and edible. And the sixth item on the list is the turmus hayavesh, dry lupine beans. Um, this is a plug, shameless plug for those living in Eretz Yisrael. Any March you're in Eretz Yisrael, you got to go to Givata Turmusim, Turmus Hill, where you'll see these beautiful lupine blue flowers in bloom. If you come back around in May time, you'll see the pods and those are growing these little lupine beans. I know in Israel you can buy them canned lupine beans, loop turmusim under the name Tormus in the store and eat them. Chazal pointed out that the Tormus might be delicious, but it needs to be cooked many times, seven times, says the Gemara, before it's edible. So the point is this is a dry, uncooked Tormus bean, and therefore not really edible by normal people. But the Mishnah says, since Aniam do eat it, or other Girsos, Aniam means poor people, and other Girsos, other versions say that it's uh, Izim, goats eat it when it's dry but uncooked. Um, so therefore, since it's considered to be food for people, or perhaps animals, it's not Muktzah. On the other hand, there are six that one items that one could not clear out. Those are avalo esa tevel. You couldn't remove tevel proper because um, it's tevel means untied produce. And from the word like the commercial says tovlo, like it's no good. So you can't you can't um, eat it as is, and therefore it's muktza. If you ask, of course it's muktza because you can't eat it. Um, the answer is this means even something that's tevel madurabanan. Like for example, if this wheat grew inside a flower pot that wasn't perforated at the bottom, so therefore really it didn't. Midoraisa have a chiv to take trumasamaisas, but Midurabanda did. So we're talking about Tevel Midurabanan, even that is Mukta because you can't eat it Midurabanan. Also, Vilomasa Rishan Shalonitla Trumaso. You can't have Maisarishan that Shalonitla Trumaso, that its Truma wasn't taken. This is the same story as before. The Levi went to the threshing field to get his Maiser before the Kohen took his Truma Gadola. The difference is in this case, the levy arrived after the finishing of the processing, after Gemar Malacha, after Meruach Akri, the smoothing of the pile. At that point, once the pile of grain has been stacked and smoothed, so then now it's all forbidden to be eaten until all the tithes are taken, including Truma Gadola. So if the levy came and cut his way into the front of the line and took his miser without having the Truma taken first, the food remains forbidden as Tevil, and therefore it has to first be tithed with Truma's not just Truma's Meister, but also Truma Gadola. So we're talking about that kind of Truma, that kind of Meister here. It's forbidden to be eaten since Truma Gadola hasn't been taken. Next on the list, Velo Esa Meister Shani Vehektish Lo Niftu. Meister Shani or Hektish that wasn't redeemed, deconsecrated. You can't eat it because it's not edible as is. It's forbidden. It has to be eaten in Yerushalayim in the case of Meister Shani. It's based on Mikdash property in the case of Hektish. And if you ask, well, of course you can't eat it. So of course it's Mukta. The answer is, we're suggesting even in a case where you tried to redeem it by transferring the Kedusha onto an unminted coin, like a, uh, called a slug or a simon, like a, a coin that didn't have a stamp on it, just a piece of silver. So one tried to deconsecrate onto the silver coin that wasn't stamped as a coin, a minted coin, um, but that's ineffective and therefore it remains unredeemed as either Meister Shani or Hektish, so one can't eat it and therefore it's Mokza. 
And the last two items, number five and six, luf, which is something, either a kind of grain, perhaps, or other shatim, it's like a some kind of allium, like a cousin of an onion, or a, or a leek, etc. And a chardal is mustard, whole whole mustard seeds. These things are not edible by human beings or by animals. You, know, you have to cook the mustard and break it down. The luf can't be eaten without raw, and therefore they're not food, neither for humans or animals. Therefore, it's mokza. You would ask, well, why should it be mukta? Why, should, of course, it's mukta. So why would you need to be told that you can't move it, you can't eat it as is? And the answer is, well, it can be eaten by animals, um, uh, and those so certain animals do eat it. The thing is that those animals we're talking about here are animals that are not local, necessarily local to the neighborhood. So, for example, um, as we'll see in a moment, when it comes to ravens, ravens do eat raw luf. Most people do not raise ravens and therefore it's considered muktza. Um of course if a person were in the business of raising ravens and he had this as food for them then he would be able to move it but the mission is assuming not that that's not the case and therefore it's forbidden however Rabbi Shimon is going to be lenient Rabbi Shimon ben Gamil matir beluf Shimon ben Gamil says you could move the luf that uh, that uncooked luf plant because it is the food that you feed as is to ravens and b'nei malachim very wealthy people do raise ravens, and says Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, you can treat every Jew as a ben melech, as a son of a king, and that being the case, the leniency should apply. However, the halacha does not follow him, uh, because, although it's true that Jews can be considered ben melachim, in fact, this food wasn't edible by anything, and it's not considered set aside, because there's no ben melachim in, in actual fact here, there's no orvin, no ravens to be fed, and therefore, it remains muktza. And the same would be true, for example, when we said that these are other things that are food for animals, like the whole um, straw situation in the beginning of the, of the of the Mishnah here, straw and and grain that you're feeding to animals. So those things are, um, if they're animal food, that presumes that they're animals to eat them. So if you, truth is, if you don't have the animals, but your neighbors do, meaning rov b'nei adam, most people in your neighborhood do raise animals, goats or whatever it is, so then even for you it's considered food and you could move it. But if you live in a place like we all probably do um, here, that there are no animals in our neighborhood. So then all these foods that would be not for human consumption, but for animal consumption, would in fact be mukta. The Mishnah is assuming that in the time of the place of the Mishnah, those people in their neighborhoods did have all sorts of animals, farm animals, and then therefore they would eat all these foods, and therefore these are animal foods, and therefore not mukta, so you could clear them out from the storage room to, for the sake of a mitzvah to let your orch and your guests or the Talmidim sit and learn there.